All right, so good morning. It's really good to be here with our kingdom family today, with all these kingdom people here in our king's house. And, you know, last week when Tucker stepped up, immediately he, you know, talked about the elephant in the room that he had a Band-Aid on holding this thing on. Well, the elephant in the room this week is that I don't, and it might fall off. So, you know, he might prove to be far wiser than me in his youth before this thing is over with. Uh, you know, he also preached on generosity, so I hope that really sunk in and you'll be really generous and laugh at my jokes and everything this week. It's, it's really good to follow generosity, you know, after that. And so I expect you to be really kind and this week to just, you know, have soaked all that in. But, you know, we're on the third part week of Kingdom People. The first week, Justin taught an awesome message and he let us know that Kingdom People worship. Kingdom people worship because all had come on every soul and out of this all they were driven to worship. And one of the things he said that I loved was our worship assigns worth to Jesus. Our worship reflects how much that we love Jesus and we know from scripture that we love him because he first loved us But it tells people that we worship a loving God. Nobody worships a cruel king. We have a loving king and that's why we worship him because we've been so affected by the love that he has shown us. And then last week, Tucker come up and hit us with a great sermon about generosity. He said, kingdom people are generous. He let us know that we are generous because he was so generous To us, that Jesus gave his life for all who would believe. And since he gave his life impartially to all who who would believe, we see that this church was radically affected and that they were giving impartially to all who had any need as well. He told us, he hit us with a hard truth that Jesus was enough for these people. They no longer needed possessions. They didn't need worldly things. They were free to give these things away because they had Jesus in their life. Our worship presents Jesus as a loving God. Our generosity displays the radical, life-changing ability of the gospel and it puts that life change on display for all to see. When I picked evangelism, I looked at the other two And I told Justin, I said, that's the one I want because I see how these truths work together. I want to come in this last week. I want to say that our worship evangelizes and that our generosity showing that we give in generous ways. This life change is how that we've been affected by the gospel. And so today we come in and we want to teach a little bit on evangelism. And my main point for this is that kingdom people present Jesus as loving And life changing by what they say and how they live. So we're pretty much going to be in the same scriptures as last week. I'm going to back up just a little bit. and I'm going to pick up at 36 from Peter's sermon because it was such a great evangelistic message as well. So if you would stand now, we will read the text that we're going to be in today. Pray and we will dive in. So we pick up at 36. This is Peter preaching a message in response to the day of Pentecost. The Spirit has come on all these people 
They were prophesying and they asked, are these people drunk? And he says, no, these people are not drunk. And he has a great opportunity to share the gospel with them. And so at 36, he says, let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ. This Jesus whom you crucified. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you, and for your children, and for all who are far off. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized. And they were added that day about 3,000 souls. This is the gospel message. And now we transfer into seeing the response of this message on the early church. And so at 42, it says, And they were devoted. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Our Father, we just pray that you join us in this time. Father, I just pray that you speak through me, that you help me to speak clearly, that you help me to convey your message in a way that people would understand, Father. But just during this time, just radically change the way we think about evangelism, Lord, and just help us to be bold as we go out and see you as loving and worthy of telling everybody about you, Lord, and help us to go out of this way and put our differences aside and live in a radical way that would just confound the world, Lord, that they would not be able to understand what it is about us that makes us so radically different, that they would come and demand to know why are you this generous Tell me about this God that you worship and that we might be able to evangelize and glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So as I said, we're going to go back into 36 and 41 uh, to begin with. And we're going to lay out some key points of the gospel. And we're going to talk about the importance of evangelism. And then we're going to shift last part into 42 through 47 and we're going to look at the radical transformation that happened in the people's lives uh, as a result of hearing this gospel message hopefully this will fire you up and you will see the change that come upon these people because of this gospel message and it will get you fired up to go tell people about the gospel about how great our king is but we have to start at the beginning and we have to understand that we are a kingdom people because we have a king, right? 
We have the King of Kings. And so this morning, for anybody here that may not know the King, I don't want to assume that everybody here is a believer. Do you know the King? If you don't know Jesus, we're fixing to present a gospel message for you this morning. You will hear the core roots of the gospel. And we want you to know that he is a loving God full of mercy and forgiveness. And it is available here today for all who would believe. So when we're going to do baptism here, maybe next week or in a couple weeks, and that's what they're going to do. They're going to proclaim Jesus as their king, Jesus as Lord. And so if you're here today and you hear this message, there will be a time to respond. And like they said, you can get right in there with us. Just like the 3,000 we're going to hear about, they hear the message. That's what must we do. They were baptized right after. And you can be in this kingdom family with us right here at Mountain View Church. So our next point is kingdom people proclaim the good news. Proclaim the good news. We proclaim the good news because our lives have been radically transformed by hearing this gospel. Nobody has good news And keeps it to yourself, right? When we get good news, we just have to tell people about it. We want to run and tell somebody, maybe tweet about it or put it on Facebook. But we put the word out when we see this news as good. So kingdom people, first off, we proclaim the good news about our king and how loving and awesome he is. The thing is, when most people think evangelism, I want to teach a little bit in the beginning before you have a chance to disconnect. Because most people, when they think of evangelism, they have, you know, very specific things that they think evangelism is limited to. And most of the time we think of evangelism as, you know, our generation is Billy Graham. Or maybe it's a televangelist on TV that's trying to get you to send some money so he can get a jet or something because, you know, the gospel needs to go to Zimbabwe or wherever. And he can do that efficiently with your jet. And so that's kind of the things that we think. But I think all of us here, most of us here, we try to put evangelism in a nice little box. And across that box, we put that ain't me. You know, that's not for me at all. That's for Justin or, you know, guys that are in professional ministry. So I have a few points here that I want to hit on what evangelism is not limited to. And these are things that I think a lot of people think it is limited to. So number one, evangelism is not limited to professionals. You know, Peter that preached this message uh, that we just heard was actually a fisherman. Uh, Peter did not go to seminary. Peter could have told you more if this was a bass or a brim that he could about, you know, theology or the Bible. That was sort of Peter's deal. Like, where's the best fishing spot out here? You know, where can we go to catch some fish at? That was what Peter knew about before this Jesus radically transformed his life. And all of a sudden, he's telling people, about his king, about this Jesus in front of 3,000 people. And we see how bold he becomes because of the life change he's had with Jesus. Evangelism is not limited to pulpits. Evangelism should be shared more than just on Sundays and Wednesdays in church settings. Evangelism 
should be done in any setting outside of the church, anywhere. And it's not just for those that are in ministry. I'm not in professional ministry. You know, I do maintenance work at Ready Eyes. And it's not just limited to church settings by professional people. Or maybe you might even say, well, not professionals, but somebody that has a call on their life to do that. And it's not limited to the pulpit in church settings. Evangelism is not limited to the public. It does not have to be done in a public setting like this. It does not have to be done in front of a huge crowd. When most of us think of evangelism, we think of like 3,000 people out in front, you know. And when uh, this call was placed on my life, that's what I thought. I thought, you know, I'm going to be preaching in front of like 3,000 people. I can't do that. And I'm just telling you, we haven't come close to 3,000 yet that I've been in front of, you know what I mean? And this, this is a really good crowd here for me. So it's really not like that huge of a public setting. But while evangelism is not limited to these things, evangelism is the responsibility of every believer here today. We all have a responsibility to tell people about our King, worship, and be generous, and show them what a loving King we serve and how He has changed our lives The fact is, you don't have to be a Bible scholar uh, to share the gospel. Uh, Justin broke it down uh, very easily for us. And so I just love the gospel message he taught us in a minute. And I want to go over that. I want to refresh with that. And I want to show you just how accurate that was by this huge message that Jesus, I mean, by that Peter preached in Acts So first off, do we remember it? It's four points. We had bad people can be made right with a good God through Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. That's how simple it can be to share the gospel with someone. The thing is, it's super simple, but it's like super accurate. You know, turns out Justin gave us really good information on that as well. You know, we can prove that from the scripture Because that's basically exactly what Peter done. Peter starts out in line 36. You know, and these people that he's preaching to, they already knew of Jesus. And so first off, he wants to let them know that this Jesus is our king. This Jesus was the savior. So in line 36, he says, this Jesus, both Lord and Christ. Then in 36, he goes straight into it. Bad people whom you crucified, he says. He don't dole the tip on that gospel message at all. And that's what we see drives them into repentance. It says they were cut to the heart by this. So he says, our king, you were bad people. In 38, you can be made right. How can we be made right? He said, repent and be baptized. With a good God, he covers in 38. With our God, there is forgiveness of sins. And he will give you the gift of the Holy Spirit if you repent. And then in 38 of his message, it's through Jesus. Only in the name of Jesus. There's no other name that men can be saved by. He immediately follows in verse 39. And he charges people to spread this message because he says, for the promise is for you 
for your family, your children, and all who are far off. So who's supposed to tell our children? Who's supposed to tell those that are far off? There's a group here that has gathered together. They're not from this place. So he's saying, take this message with you. This message is for you, your children, and all who are far off. So immediately after this great message that Peter has preached, he has just charged everyone here to go out and to spread this message. Tell people, because this promise is not just for you. Don't depend on your pastor or somebody else to tell your children about the gospel. Tell your family, the children, and all who are far off about the love of Jesus Christ. Evangelizing can sometimes seem like a lot of weight when we think about it, you know, uh, in the wrong way. You know, I can look at evangelism and think, wow, I have to do everything right. I mean, I have to say the perfect message, you know, or maybe these people aren't going to be saved. And, you know, I have to put it all on myself. But the fact is, God's sovereign over salvation. We learn in 39 that he says that everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And in 47, at the end of how we see how radical the church is living, it says, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. We are responsible for carrying the message. Every one of us, we're responsible for our obedience to do this. But God is responsible for the results. So I challenge you this morning to not think about evangelism as that's my pastor's job or that's professional people's job. My wife, Lou, has started sharing her testimony more and teaching at Celebrate Recovery. And it's just been so awesome. I hope you had a chance to hear that. But that's what had me think about this because we were in a small group one night. And after hearing her testimony, Justin's like, Lou, you know, I think that's uh, in your gift sets, evangelism. And so later on, we're in the car. She's like, has he lost his mind or something? Did you hear what he said to me? And I'm like, no, I'm like, it's what you've done is telling people your testimony. It's telling them about how good God is and what he's done for you. And so evangelism can be that simple. It can be telling people a little bit about your story, about the kind of person that you was. And now that you have this hope in your life. But remember that everybody here is responsible. Every believer is responsible for evangelism. But God is responsible for the increase. So we see after this message that 3,000 people receive what Peter said about Jesus. Jesus told them that there is a loving God who offers forgiveness for sins and will even give you the gift of the Holy Spirit to guide you on through your journey. So what we see now as these people are baptized is now we transfer into a crowd of people that's hearing the gospel message into kingdom people. They are now kingdom people. They have repented. They have received the Holy Spirit. How do we know they've received the Holy Spirit? Because we see a radical transformation in their lives. My next point is kingdom people display the power of the gospel to transform hearts 
and change lives. Nothing displays the power of the gospel like a transformed life. That's a quote. I didn't have a chance to look it up. You'll have to trust me on that. But it's actually true, so we don't have to look it up as well. But does anybody here have any doubt that these people are living radically different than they were before they heard the gospel? I mean, I really don't believe that the people that, that knew this group says, well, I mean, there really ain't that much change in what they're doing. I mean, they were always hanging out at the church every day, you know, and, and doing stuff like this. There's no doubt these people were radically changed by what they heard from the gospel that day. The question is, are they living radically different than us? Are they living radically different than the church today that we know? Some of them probably are. You know, the power of the gospel should be on display in our lives every day. We have the Holy Spirit within us. We've been affected by the love of Jesus Christ. Evangelism is more than what we say. Evangelism is showing the power of the gospel in the way that we live. And there's no doubt as we go through 42 through 47, the overarching theme of this is that the power to transform lives is on display. In verse 42, it says that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. 42 again, it says they were devoted. They devoted themselves to breaking of bread and prayer. 44, it says all who believed were together and had all things in common. 45 says they were selling their possessions and belongings. Jesus was enough. They were selling the family land and giving the money to the disciples to distribute to any that had need. Day by day, they were attending the temple together. They were receiving their food with glad and generous hearts. They were having favor with all the people. And in 47, the next line, it says, and God was adding to their number day by day. Does this belong there in 47? I mean, is this a transition? Or do we understand and know that the way that they live were radically drawing people to Jesus Christ. They were living out the gospel in their unity in the way that they loved each other and put their differences Aside, And that evangelizes. That's my point today with this. Is that the way we live, the gospel message that we say paints Jesus as loving God, as a loving, forgiving God. But the way that we live portrays the power of the gospel. That it's life changing. That it, our hearts, our minds can be changed. This is not normal stuff. This unity, this type of radical unity and generosity. The next point is that kingdom people are unified. It says in those lines that all who believed, it says they were together, that they had all things in common. There's no more just one person singled out. They're talking to them as the group. They're doing everything as the church as a radical group that's been transformed by Christ. It said that any that had need, their needs were met. 
They were attending the temple together. They had favor with all the people. Jesus articulates this beautifully in the high priestly prayer that he prayed in John 17. He wraps up everything that I want to say here today in that. Understand before we look at this, that this is right before Jesus is going to be prayed. Jesus can pray for anything He wants to at this time. And He chooses in His high priestly prayer to hit on these two topics. So at 18, John 17, 18, if you want to turn with me. At 18, it says, As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, carrying the gospel message, that they may be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even. As you love me. Powerful stuff. Jesus prays for his disciples and he illustrates perfectly how speaking the truth about him and unity among believers will draw the unbelieving world to him ultimately. I mean, in my mind, I think of something like huge event that's going to happen and that's going to be what's going to turn the world to God. That's what's going to humble people is that there's a huge earthquake or there's, you know, something massive going to go on. Well, I mean, we're here. I mean, look at the stuff that's happening right now. This massive, this world changing going on right now. We have changed to share the gospel with this right now, but the things that's happening really aren't ultimately what's bringing people to Jesus. The unity among believers The hope that we have in us is ultimately what's going to point unbelievers to the love and the power of the gospel. It's going to be the church. It's going to be us having to step out of our comfort zone and do things that we know would help the gospel. In line 18 of John 17, he says, I'm sending them out. Just as Jesus himself was sent out. So the fact is, we've already been sent. We don't have to wait on this message or this, you know, uh, huge revelation from God to go. He says, we're already sent out. We should be living on commission. Now, 20, he illustrates that people will believe through the preaching of the word, preaching of the gospel, the goodness, the loving of God to send Jesus As our Savior. 21 and 22. It also points out that people will believe because of the unity among believers. In 23, it ties everything together that I wanted to say here today. 
In line 23, it says, The preaching of the Word and the unity among believers reveal that we serve a loving God. It's ultimately going to reveal that Jesus was the Son of God. And it's ultimately going to reveal that He loved the world. And that's why Jesus was sent in. So right there in verse 23, it points out, ties everything in together. That we serve a loving God who gives us life-changing power to live in unity. And because He has saved us, because of His Spirit, we can be bold and evangelize. As we be bold and evangelize, and as we live in unity and put our differences aside, the world will say there must be something about this Jesus. And ultimately, they will know by our love for each other that He is a loving God. Jesus could have prayed for anything during this time. He prayed for you, the church, that you would continue to spread His Word and that we would be a unified group and that we would show the unbelieving world that the Gospel is transforming and life-changing by the way that we love each other, by the way that we go and do radical things to reach those that are lost. Because we believe the news is good. And we've seen in ourselves that it can change our lives. We have the ability to do things and live in ways that we didn't before. We have the ability to overcome racial differences. Uh, differences of, I mean, maybe even harder than that of football teams that we don't like and stuff like that. And, you know, we put all this stuff aside and we love each other for the sake of the kingdom. Because we have a king. Because we love our king. And because we have experienced the power to know that he can change our life. I mean, you think it depends on how we view the gospel. Do we view this gospel as life changing and life saving? You know, today with coronavirus going around, there's a huge scramble for a vaccine and a cure for this. So withholding the gospel is really no different than if you had a cure for coronavirus or if you had a vaccine for the coronavirus. Would you not want your children to have it? I mean, would you not would you not tell your neighbor or your co-workers if there was something like that that could change their life, that could change everything for them, that could radically transform this world as we see it? Do we see the gospel in that same way? Do we see the gospel as life saving and life changing, that it's the cure and the vaccine for the things that trouble this world? for racism, for unrest, for any type of differences you can name. You can plug it in. It's just Jesus is the answer and the gospel message is the answer. And it's on display for what we say and how we live. So your takeaway today, three things I want to prove this and I want you to leave out of here understanding. Evangelism is sharing the gospel with a hurting friend at a coffee shop or as you go to visit them at their home. Maybe you're a guy that's called to do this. Maybe you're a guy that has a call on his life to, uh, to preach, to evangelize. Some people have a gift set for that. And if you do, please be bold. Please be obedient and do that. But we all can do it on some level 
with things such as bad people can be made right with a good God through Jesus Christ. Number two, evangelism is showing the world the power of the gospel by putting our differences aside and living in harmony for the sake of the kingdom. Number three, evangelism is the responsibility of every believer here. We've seen this in Scripture. We've seen Jesus with His last prayer to pray for this, to pray for people that would carry the message. In verse 39, as soon as Peter gives them the message, he tells them, take it to your children. Take it to those that are far off. We no longer have a need to wait for a great revelation. It's the responsibility of every believer here today and we've all been sent so back to the point about this king we've talked for three weeks about being kingdom people and what kingdom people do but you won't have the ability to do it unless you know the king the king is jesus christ and we've presented the gospel here today if you're a person here that don't know jesus christ if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. We're going to have a song. The band is going to come up. We're going to play a worship song. And this is a time to respond. If you would grab me or Lou or Justin or Tucker or anybody that you've seen down here today, we would be glad to come up and we can pray for you. And we just want you to know that we serve a loving God, that in Him there is forgiveness for sins and that He has the ability to change your life through His Holy Spirit.